Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Our Old Testament reading today takes us all the way back to somewhere between 1000 and 900 B.C. What we see is the dream of a father coming true in the life of his son. In our lesson, King Solomon is dedicating the temple to the Lord. The very temple that David had yearned to build himself. But God brought about this temple not in David's reign, but in his son's reign. You can almost picture yourself there when Solomon dedicated the temple to the Lord. You are in this ancient land, standing in front of one of the most beautiful structures that you had ever seen. Imagine being filled with wonder as your eyes look up at the pillars standing in front of you. And you listen to the words of one of the greatest kings in all of history. You listen to King Solomon as he prayers a prayer to the same Holy Trinity that you worship in this little church today. King Solomon prayed, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall all hear of your great name and your mighty hand, and they shall hear of your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays towards this house, hear in heaven your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. And I imagine that if we were there, we would feel as though we were a part of one of the greatest moments in history up to this point. God was blessing his people. But there was a greater moment. The moment when God took on flesh in the person of Jesus. This wasn't accounted with much fanfare at all. Hardly any people saw this little baby lying in a manger. But here... In Jesus himself, the temple of God was holding court. And when you think of all the significant times in history, such as the dedication of Solomon's temple, the fall of Rome, America's Independence Day, and many others, none of them is greater than this little baby. For in him, Emmanuel, God dwells among us. 
And when Jesus said, destroy this temple, as a grown man of age 30 to 33, he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. He was not talking about the temple that then Herod had built. He was talking about himself and the death and resurrection that he would endure to pay for our sin. In Solomon's prayer, he prayed that God the Father would hear the prayers of foreigners when they prayed to this temple. And in our gospel lesson today, we see a foreigner directing his prayer, not to the building, but to the man, Jesus. We see the centurion who has a sick servant His servant is about to die and he needs help. And where else would you turn but to God himself? And just as Solomon had prayed, the centurion heard of God's mighty works in the person of Jesus who bears the name of God in his own person. And he sends messengers to him. But the first important part of this text is that the scripture tells us specifically the centurion heard of Jesus. Now one might ask, well, why is this important, that he heard of him? Well, we read in Romans that faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Obviously, as Jesus did miracles, forgave sins, and taught with an authority that no one had ever seen before, the word of Christ was spread from town to town all the way to this town where the centurion lived. He heard and he believed. He trusted that Jesus was the Christ, the answer to his prayers the one who could answer the prayers for his servant. This is just what Solomon prayed would happen under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So in faith, the centurion sent out some elders of the Jews in his town to Jesus because salvation comes through the Jews. Jesus was a Jew himself. The gospel tells us that when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, saying, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation, he loves Israel, and he's even built our synagogue, built our church. At the the Jewish elders' request, Jesus went with them. But we must look at their request one more time. The Jewish elders did not view Jesus as a God who gave himself for our sins. They did not look at him as a God who gave first while we were still sinners, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. They viewed Jesus as one who looks at the worthiness of a man. Their theology was faulty because no person is good enough to deserve heaven. 
Not St. Francis of Assisi. Not Mother Teresa. Not Ronald Reagan. This is an election year. Not even Mahatma Gandhi. The scripture tells us that none is righteous. No, not one. This includes you and me for sure. Sure, we try to be good people. We try to attend church when we can. And some of us even give a lot of money to our nation, to the poor, to our church, just as the centurion gave to his nation and synagogue. We want to be thought of as good people, just like these guys thought well of the centurion. We want to be seen as righteous. And we want people to speak well of us. I know I do. I do not like it one bit if somebody is speaking bad about me. It's part of my sinful nature, but we want people to speak well of us. And these guys spoke well of the centurion. Where I came from, a person would want to be thought of as this, where I grew up. You'd want to be thought of as a hard worker and a good friend. And I've noticed that some of these same qualities go a long way in West Lafayette as well. And being hard workers and being good friends, these are things to be proud of. But they do not give us the keys of heaven. Man only comes to heaven by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, He is the only righteous one. And being fully God and fully man, He stands in our place and lays down His life so that we sinners can receive the very name of God and be washed with water and the word. And we become God's children, heirs. The centurion, he knew what the Jews he sent did not know. He sends this message by some of his friends. Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. The servant and the centurion did not consider his worthiness. But instead, he considered the worthiness of Christ's word. I tell people this all the time, including many of you that are here, because I've repeated myself. But if you were ever standing before the gates of heaven, and God were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven? This, that's not how it's going to happen, but if, if it, 
if he were to say to you, why should I let you in? Your answer should be, you should not. I do not deserve a second in your heaven. I have sinned in thought, word, and deed. I have not loved you or my neighbor at all. But I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son to have mercy on me, a poor, miserable sinner. And then you can remind them, hey, and you also baptized me. You washed my sins away. You put your name upon me. You fed me. You said, take, eat. This is me given for you for the forgiveness of all of my sins. Not because of me, but because of your word. Well, I ad-libbed that whole next paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) Yet even though we are unworthy, Christ, too, comes to us under this roof. He comes in the liturgy, in the preaching of his word for the forgiveness of sins. He comes in the sacrament of baptism, where where our sins are put to death, And we are resurrected with new life in Jesus. And as I said before, most strikingly, remember the centurion said, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But most strikingly, the very body and blood of Jesus comes to us under this roof. And his very presence heals you from every deadly disease. The deadly disease of your sin. Even if you taste death, which you will if Jesus does not come back first. It has no hold on you. You are in Christ Jesus, the first to rise from the dead. And you too in him have newness of life resurrection from the dead and you will appear before the throne of God as one who has come out of the great tribulation praising him and singing blessed be the Lamb of God and he comes to you not because you loved your country or gave to your church or even because you treat your pastor well But he comes to you because he is faithful to his word. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.